I'm Josie Natori. I'm founder and chief executive officer of the Natori Company. You have to be prepared for rejection. That comes with it, right? You have to just be tenacious about it. Don't stop because one day there will be something there. You know, I have this philosophy, when it's right, it will happen. If it's not happening, it's still not right. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Fashion designer Josie Notori is CEO and founder of the Notori Company. After making the move from Wall Street to fashion, she talks about the road to international success as a self-made millionaire. So you learned about business at a young age from your grandmother. What did she teach you? I'm the oldest of 32 grandchildren, and so I trolled along with my grandmother from age three. She taught me about what entrepreneurship was about. She worked from 5 a.m. to midnight every day and through various different kinds of businesses and um, taught me at a very young age about being independent and making something of yourself. You're originally from the Philippines, which is a very matriarchal culture. How did that influence you? It's a really a very good point that I think that I was very lucky to be growing up in in a culture where it was a matriarchal society where women were very strong. I didn't know anything else but women being strong all my life from the examples of my mother, my aunts, and my grandmother with careers and very independent and very a lot of them running the family. So it really influenced me that there was no limitations to what I could do. No one ever told me I can only be this or that. And the most important thing is, you know, have your own career and be independent. And so that's the kind of environment I grew up in. And you also said your dad taught you to be the best you could be, but also be humble. How so? Well, my father was an amazing influence in me because he, unlike my mother, came from a more established family. My father was a self-made man who was the only one who graduated from his school, only one with a college degree, and he worked himself up and really built the business on his own with my mother in the construction business to be one of the larger construction companies in the country. But everything in his life was about, you know, being humble, never comparing to others and giving back. And so that's what he always thought. It was, you know, he was a very simple person that just cared to um, have a good family and be able to do something great for the country and to give back. You're known in a cutthroat industry as someone who is nice. What do you think of that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> nice. Well, I thought Wall Street was cutthroat, right? But um, I, I think this industry, going from the uh, Wall Street to the rag trade, was a real awakening the culture of where I came from, where you could be tough, but you're still nice. And the femininity is just, I think, comes from the examples I had from my mother and my grandmother. And just generally the women, the Philippines are happy and I think we're nice. How do you not let it affect you when there is dynamics like the cutthroatness of the industry or people aren't loyal. How do you not let that change you? You know, the reason I'm still in the business for 41 years, which I never even thought I would last this long because I lasted in Wall Street nine years and I got bored, you know, and that's the only reason I I didn't feel the challenge that I I thought I needed to go to the next step having my own business. But I think the cutthroat to me makes actually challenging the idea that I was able to survive 41 years in a business where there are not too many family-owned companies today, right? Right? And lasting and still being the top of the game. 
makes me feel good. But I, I do believe it's having that kind of confidence. And But at the same time, I think never taking it for granted. You looked at many opportunities, including opening a McDonald's franchise when you were trying to decide what type of business to start. What's your advice for women who are trying to decide what type of company to launch? Right. I feel that today, women, I think the the whole digital world and the internet has, you know, made the, the playing field so much larger. And in a way, the cost less to, to get started. There's so many ways. And I'm so impressed with so many women, whether they're the influencers or the bloggers or whatever other business they have. That I would say for anyone, whether whatever career, whether it's starting themselves or work, is to be doing something that ultimately they're going to be happy, that every day you're like charged and that makes you happy. So on the other hand, starting a business, you know, it's not for everybody. So unless you really have the will and the tenacity and the fortitude and the stomach (laughs) to be working 24-7 and taking the risk and all of that is not necessarily for you. But if you do, there's the rewards. So importantly is what is that? Why do you want to start a business? There has to be a reason for being, and I feel the most important thing is there has to there has to be a reason for being. So what makes whatever business you have, it, it must be an idea that's good, that somebody's going to want. I think understanding what you're getting into and that you have the stomach and the resources to deal with it because it is 24-7. And if you don't want to be worrying, having your own business is not it. Some people may be surprised that it would be worrying because they would might think, oh, having your own business is glamorous, and then you get to set your hours, and you get to have fun, and especially in the fashion business. That's what they say. (laughs) You know, people think that um, it's so glamorous, the fashion business, until they see, and we have interns that come, they have no idea a year what it takes before they see something in the store and the agony that goes with it. But you have to love the agony to be in it, right? So so because there is the reward. So it is it is not as glorious as one thinks but um you know it is 24/7 you're worrying you go to bed and you know whether it's your own capital or whether it's somebody's capital it's not the same as you're getting paid a salary and you're going there okay you know it's it's very different because you're taking you know it's it's risk taking it's risk taking and yeah if it's your own business it's 24/7 and you have to juggle it there's no such thing as also necessarily having totally balanced life there's no such thing you work with both your husband and your son <laughs> What's the secret to working with family, <laughs> seeing so much oh, of them? I think you better ask my, my son who thinks, oh, mom, you don't think I, this is a lot, you know, and we live in the same building, too. You know, I I love family. I think family is, I think it's important. Um, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, Kenneth is an only child, and uh, he actually never expected him to want to be in the business, so we never imposed it on him. It was really his decision. We really would have preferred him to be an investment banker. <laughs> but I'm so glad that he wanted to be here, so it became our exit strategy in a way. But he, he does claim I'm he's retiring before I do. But, you know, it, it's great. You know, Ken really doesn't, has never really, you know, he was more on the outside, more strategy, because to him this is a women's business. But, you know, so he's more there for the outside and, you know, being a support, uh, whereas Kenneth now is really hands-on in terms of the operations, the strategy of the company, and building to the next generation. You said in the past there's no better place in the world for an immigrant to succeed than in the United States. What do you think of that statement today? Well, I 
truly am grateful to have had this opportunity to be where I am today in this country. I, I can't think of other, I mean, I think it's the best country really. So I'm, it's a country of immigrants and uh, it's a question where you work hard, you can make it. It's not because who you know, who you're connected to, which is the case, let's say, in many other countries. And I think, you know, you get rewarded here by working hard and I'm very grateful for that and that's what the, the fabric of this country is today really is it's just a new set of immigrants I'm actually I you know feel obviously very related to the Asian Americans because that's the wave of the the last 30 years you know so I think it's it's just um, you know I, I think that's not going away. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Another new episode is coming soon. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. You did a lot of cold calling to start your company. What's your advice to other women who need the help of strangers to begin? You know, when you have confidence, you have to believe in yourself, believe in your product, that there's a reason for it, right? When you have that kind of confidence, you know, what's the big deal? Get on the phone and go for it, you know? And today, particularly with email, it didn't exist then, right? It was telephone call and they can hang it up. (laughs) Whereas here you can email, right? Maybe they don't answer, but at least I I see many people approaching me that way. And, you know, some you answer, some you don't. Don't see any reason why one should be afraid to. How do you deal with the possible rejection? You have to be prepared for rejection. That comes with it, right? You have to just, you know, be tenacious about it. Don't don't stop because one day there will be something there. You know, I have this philosophy when it's right, it will happen. If it's not happening, it's still not right. <laughs> so I have this faith that everything happens for a reason. So I never, I don't really give up. I don't really give up. You just spoke about faith and you often say you're blessed. Has your Catholic heritage played a role in your success? You know, I I would say, yes, I think, you know, the Philippines is over 85% Catholic. And my mother, grandmother, I grew up where you went to church at 5 a.m. That's how you started your day. So, and I only went to school with nuns. I don't know any other thing. So that's the way I was brought up. I I think I was very blessed. There's a Catholic part of it, but it's even, just even the values. My father, he believes that life is like a, a wheel. You know, you have to be prepared when you're up to go down and when you're down to go up, you know, and kesera, sera, what would be. It's just, you don't have to go with the flow of life, you know, and um, I, I think that if it's meant to be, there's God, you know, there, there's a divine providence there. And so having faith, I don't, I can't imagine how I could do what I'm doing if I didn't have that inner faith that, and even in the worst of, the worst of bad things that you have faith, okay, there's a good reason for it. And something good will come out of it. About 70% of your products are made in the Philippines. Has the political and social environment under the current Philippine president changed your business at all? No, I wouldn't say that it's um, changed our business. I think it's, you know, the newspapers is very colorful, just like here. But it's actually good for business. You know, I mean, it's pro. I think that the idea is to keep the growth of the Philippines and and 
have more jobs. And, you know, so I absolutely support the intention. I mean, it's just maybe the way it's going about is not exactly proper. <laughs> but I think that um, it's really, you know, a huge percentage, you know, supporting it. And what's good for business will be good for us. And and I think if you improve the infrastructure, it's going to even be better for the business. You served as commissioner on the White House Small Business Conference. What's your best piece of advice for women who want to start their small business? I feel like there's so much more opportunity today for women to enter business even part-time because of the whole the internet world. You know, you don't have to have full-time. I mean, I think you can be a mom at home and do that uh, or selling things on the side, on the just put pictures or I think the possibilities there are endless. There are so many concepts for new ideas that so boggles my mind and really very stimulating to me to see what people can come up with. So I, I just think it's just there is room for new ideas of business today. I think it doesn't have to be tools. It can just be an idea. There's so much more opportunity for them. How can more female minority business owners get funding? That is a good question. Um, I wouldn't say it's just even minority, just female, period. Um, I do have, you know, being involved with um, the Committee of 200 and friends who have established venture funds, women businesses. It is definitely, I, I would like to think that there has been improvement, but there's still ways to go. I think not necessarily level playing field. Hopefully, you know. I'm seeing more people interested in that in terms of the minority. I mean, I see where you have this micro lending. I think there's a great need for all of that. It's just, you know, there's um, particularly, I would say, I'll just give you an example. Even in the Philippines, just the tribes, women, you talk about women. They just need jobs, right? Because they're, you know, but they live in the tribes in the mountains. So it's giving them opportunity to be able to do things with their hands. So you have to bring them the material and all of that. So that's one of the objectives right now of keeping that even that culture, that, that craftsmanship and also giving them jobs is, is I see a lot of movement towards that of helping this indigenous, you know. So whether it's private people doing that or some public organizations, I think there's a great need of that all over the world. And I would love to be able to be doing more of that, you know, hopefully in time. How has having money helped you achieve your personal goals? Oh, I wouldn't say that, you know, I mean, I, I feel very fortunate um, of being in a maybe better place. And, uh, you know, but honestly, on one hand, I work my behind off, you know, I think that, but I love, I love it, right? So I think the important thing to me is my most gratitude is that I love what I do. That's why I, every day to me, I'm happy. Yeah, because if you love what you do and you wake up, and that I wish that on most people, you know, it's not even the money, it's being engaged in doing something that you love and you feel fulfilled and you're making a difference. But to me, ultimately, the goal to me of this business, I've always said, is not my dream in life fashion. To me, this is all a means to an end. And to me, this is about a business, building a business. It just happened to be, it ended up in the fashion business. It could have been something else. But my whole goal is really being in a position to give back. And so, you know, through through various ways, right? And obviously through boards I'm on and, you know, right now some philanthropy. I mean, it's, it's just something that gives me a great satisfaction that I'm able to do a little bit. But quite honestly, you know, my intention is to give back a lot. What's the best personal finance advice you've ever heard? I'm financially irresponsible. <laughs> really? How so? I probably spend more than I make. You know, I'm very confident. And I would say that... Um, Probably the most secure thing to me, if, if I had to say an investment, is 
real estate. Everything is said and done, not investing in stocks. Although I was a broker at one time, you know, but it's been real estate. You know, as I said, I'm, uh, I'll spend more than probably something is warranted, whether it's for the business and all that, because I believe it should be that in the image, you know. So, But on the other hand, I have confidence that everything should fall apart. I'll make it again. So, I don't know, I think you take risks that you can handle, you know. Don't go into stocks if you're going to be afraid to lose it, right? So some people are happy stashing money in the vault. I don't. You know, I, I take risks. Yeah, I'm a risk taker. Time now for your secrets. I'm Josie Natori. I'm the founder and the CEO of the Natori Company. I love to spend, so I like to enjoy what I make, so I don't deprive myself. I believe in enjoying yourself and living it up. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos with special help from J.R. Whalen. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSJ Podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter. Use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.